0: Free indeed. Ha ha ha. Hey, good morning, everybody. How are you doing out there? Good to see you. That was not worthy of a clap, but okay. Hey, uh, everybody say hi to everybody online, please. Hi online. Hey, if you're joining us online, the best thing you can do so that you can be part of our community is to make an account. And that way you can interact with people and be known. And I know that's scary, but the benefits are going to outweigh the cost. So I hope that you can do that. Also, say hello to Hayward. Hayward, what's up, Hayward? Miss you guys. I know, I know the team's taking care of you, so it's no big deal. If you don't know who I am, my name is Pastor Will Medell. I'm just now realizing I didn't tell them first service. Okay. Uh, my name is Pastor Will Medell, and I am the campus pastor of our Hayward location, and we're finishing this series called Free Indeed. And to get us started, I want to share with you this story that I encountered on YouTube the other day. It's about a young man who could be at any school in the Bay Area. This is a driven, overachiever, son of driven parents, and basically what he's going to talk about is he said, man, a year before we graduated, somebody took me aside and said, hey, do you realize you could actually be valedictorian? He's like, what? Whoa. And so he thought about it and he's like, well, it's going to to be a lot more studying. There's going to be some sacrifice. There's going to be some stress, but you know what? I think I want that. So he did, he became valedictorian. Here's how he recounts his experience of being valedictorian, number one in his class. He said, at our senior award ceremony, it felt so good to hear my name being called as valedictorian. And he said, it felt so good for about 15 seconds. 15 seconds of pure adrenaline, 15 seconds of, woo, I'm number one, I'm on top. And then 16 came and it was all gone. And I stopped and I looked at the sash that said valedictorian and I said, that's it? Really, that's it? All this work? Like he, he, and he says, I, I don't know what I was expecting. Maybe I was expecting balloons to fall down or maybe I was expecting people to put me on their shoulders and have maybe a parade or something like that. Or maybe, maybe, maybe I thought all of my problems would go away and they did not. So I thought about it and said, man, all that work, all that stress, all the time that I miss with my friends, all the parties I could have gone to, it wasn't worth it. It was not worth it at all. And for some of you, you've had a similar experience. Maybe you're not academically inclined, but leaderboard, huh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Leaderboard, you stay up all night climbing the leaderboard and you go to sleep and you're not even on the leaderboard when you wake up, which is awful. Why, why did I waste all that time? Or some of you, some of you, uh, you came to Silicon Valley to just get that job, just like people have for generations and generations, strike it rich. And you're, you're like, man, if I can get this job, if, if I can get promoted to this level, then we'll have money to go on vacations, buy a vacation home, put our kids through a better school. And you finally, finally get that job and guess what? Well, you are getting paid, but you don't have time for vacations. You don't see your kids. You know what I'm saying? And all the stress that's added on because now you're in charge. And here's the funny thing. God in his infinite humor has assigned this topic to me. Because if you know me, you probably know that I'm incredibly driven. And I do not say that in a good way. I don't say that in a good way. I say that I'm driven in the way that my body is starting to shut down on me. It, it is. It's been a tough year for me. I say it in a way that the people closest to me that I love, they pay the price for my drivenness, not me. They pay a high cost. So listen, if you're like me, you are in good company because I'm going to say a bold statement. And you want to argue afterwards, talk to Pastor Ryan. Um, <laughs> I believe that this idol of achievement is the one thing that this church struggles with more than anything else? I think it is. Now, I'm not saying we don't have other sins, but this one is one that traps us so much, okay? The reason is because most of us, whether we realize it or not, we've bought into the gospel of education. You know what the gospel of education is? I heard it all the time growing up. Go to a good school, you'll have a good life. That, that's the gospel of education. And even if you don't subscribe to that, the gospel of hard work. Work hard and people will notice. They, they, don't, they don't notice. Just letting you know, they don't, they don't notice. Or here's the thing. Maybe you feel the pressure from your parents. Maybe it's not your gospel, but you know it's their gospel, right? And so you're trying to make your parents happy or maybe your spouse, and again, you're followers of Jesus Christ, but honey, if you could just go one more level up, And if you're not from this country, I am so sad. I don't even know what it feels like to be in your shoes because I know that the weight of not just your success is on your shoulders, but your family's success who sacrificed to get you here, right? Maybe your extended family whom they took money from, maybe even your town, your village, your tribe, like you're feeling all that pressure. And here's the problem. The problem is, because we buy into these false gospels, we frequently sacrifice at the altar of achievement. I do. And, and if you don't think you do, just ask your kids. Ask your kids or think through the interaction that you've had with your children for the last few weeks. You know, we've been going back to school. So let me ask you this question. And now I'm just confronted by this. When I asked it, I was like, ah, I don't want to preach that because I'm guilty. <laughs> but, but here's the question. Do you coach your kids how to deal with everything they're going through in school in a way that preaches the gospel to their heart? Or are you coaching your kids to get into Cal? Are you working with your kids to make a great impression with administrators? Hey, walk straight, head up, firm handshake. Look them in the eyes. You tell your kids to look into the eyes of a human being But you haven't told your kids to look into the eyes of Jesus, who loves them deeply. Now, again, I say this to my shame. I'm guilty of those things. And so the question is, if we're so gospel-centered, right? Gospel-centered. If we're so gospel-centered, why are we falling for this trap? (laughs) Why are we passing this trap onto our kids? And how can we avoid that? I want to invite you to turn to Matthew chapter 4. This is an important part of dealing with all of these things we've been talking about. This is a roadmap for how to be free indeed. And as I speak today, we're going to see why we get trapped. We're going to see how we can get free from it. And we're going to talk about practical things. Like this is is the roadmap to getting free. And so if you're there, I want to invite you, whether you're online or in Hayward, please stand for the reading of God's word. And here's what is written for us. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city And set him on a pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you. And on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against the stone. Jesus said to him, Again it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. So one more time, the devil took him to a very high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to Jesus, All of these I'll give you if you will fall down. And worship me. And Jesus said, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. And then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and were ministering before him. My brothers and sisters, this is the word of the Lord. All of God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may have a seat. And what, what is it that makes the idol of achievement so sneaky? Why why does it just catch us wherever we are? And and I'm gonna preface this by saying. Hey, even if you don't think you're driven or if you don't think you're an overachiever or I don't really relate to academics, okay, but you live in the Bay Area. And if you're still living in the Bay Area, that means you're driven. Because a lot of people that didn't want to or couldn't are gone. So you're here. And one of the ways that we're tempted by achievement, actually, there's three. I'm going to give them to you right now. It's bread, brand, and beauty. Bread, brand, and beauty. These are the three traps of achievement. And so let's look at the first one. The first trap is bread. Look at this passage. It says, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to be bread. And he answered, It's written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now, If you've been in the church for any amount of time, you've heard this passage before. And good pastors, exegeting meaning, taking the meaning out of the text well, will point out, hey, look at Jesus. He's quoting scripture. You need to know scripture. This is the way to get out of any temptation. I'm not dogging that at all. That's great. Learn scripture, love scripture. But the way that Jesus answers this question actually shows you what Satan was saying to him. And so what you need to do is you need to zoom out a little bit and ask, okay, so where is Jesus quoting? Because this is scripture, right? So what scripture is Jesus quoting? Well, he's quoting from Exodus chapter 8. And in Exodus chapter 8, Moses is getting the people ready to go into the promised land. He says, listen, if you are wondering why it was such a hard journey, let me tell you. Now, wouldn't it be nice if God did that to us? This is why you have suffered this way. And Moses says, here's what God was doing. God had you out here in the desert because he was testing you, because he wanted you to see that man does not live by bread. You see it? He was testing you, not for you, Oh, uh, sorry, not for him. He wasn't testing so that he would feel good. He was testing you so you'd see that you need God more than anything else. Okay, so what's the connection with Jesus? Well, how did the Israelites get into the desert? They passed through the Red Sea, right? And Jesus was baptized right before he went out to the desert. Both Jesus and the Israelites went into the desert for a period of 40, Jesus for 40 days, the Israelites for 40 40 years. That's not a coincidence. And they both went into the desert to be tested. What's the difference? The difference is Jesus is the son who did everything that we could never do. He passed every single test. And so here's the setup. What is Satan saying to Jesus? He's saying, Jesus, not if you're the son of God, since you're the son of God, why are you hungry? Your father has left you. You're out here all alone on his mission, by the way. And if you're such royalty, why is your tummy grumbling? You got the power, make some bread. Ooh, make some bread. I've heard that somewhere, everywhere. Make some bread is the mantra of the United States of America. It's like in bread we trust. That's what we do. Everything that we earn and strive for is about making more bread. What are we going to eat? How do we pay the bills? How do we get the kids out of the school system? All of those things. And as we think those things, the devil says to us, see, God hasn't given you enough. God's not taking care of your family. God, who, who's going to help your kid get into that school? Who's going to help you when you retire? Who's, it's just all these questions, okay? The culture says the same thing to us. Now, look at this poor kid who's valedictorian. I'm going to read his rap sheet, and I'm not even going to read it all, which is crazy. So he's the senior superlative in the areas of Bible, English, mu- music, theater, social studies, and vocal music. I don't know what senior superlative is, but that seems like a lot of work. He is the president of the English Social Studies And uh, National Honor Society, the vice president of the Spanish mathematics, and he's a member of the regular National Honor Society. He's also one of the key people in the drama club, having 21 lead roles and being president his entire time in school. And I just had a panic attack saying that. (laughs) It's too much. Brothers and sisters, is this what we want for our kids? This is what we're asking them to do. This is the pressure we're putting on them, right? Because we, the kid has to get into UCLA or Stanford or Michigan. I know you guys don't. I threw that for my kids. But <laughs> <coughs> go blue. Anyway, that just shows how wrong I am. Okay, so. But here's the thing. It's not even enough. When we went to school, if you had like over four point, like whatever, whatever school you want. Nowadays, you've got to have a 4.8, whatever that is. And you can't just play sports. You gotta be the captain. And you have to do some type of community service. And, and it just keeps going. Why? Because it's an arms race. Everybody is fighting for more, right? Now here's the problem. If we put this burden on our children, if they think it's their hands that are gonna make the bread for their life, when is it gonna stop? Does it stop at graduation? (laughs) I'm asking you, does it stop at graduation? No, no, it does not. It does not stop, it keeps going. The job, the marriage, the home, the vacation home, it keeps going. And this is what we are giving our children as an inheritance. We're giving them bad theology that says, God has forsaken you, go earn bread. Go earn bread, that's what we're doing. That's just bread, we got two more, ready? Okay, brand, brand is the next one. Now, uh, brand is basically the idea of I am not enough in myself. There's a movie in the late 90s called Mi Familia and it's a a story of an immigrant who comes from Mexico into LA, he gets married, he has uh, children and grandchildren. It's just, it's a cool, it's not really a documentary, it's a story. But at one point in this near the end, they're, they're kind of in their later years and they're thinking of all their kids. And their kids, like, like one of them got stabbed in a knife fight. One of them deconverted a priest, if you know what I'm saying. I mean, this, this is just some like gnarly stuff. And they have like 11 kids. And they finally get to one kid. His name is Memo. Now, Memo went to UCLA. Memo uh, graduated from law school. Memo is a partner in a prestigious law firm. And they go, "Ah, Memo. They're good parents because they have Memo. You see what they, that's their brand. Their brand is their kid. This is what the devil is offering us. He's offering us an opportunity to say, hey, look at what I can do. Check out this passage. It says, then the devil took him to the holy city, that's Jerusalem, And took him to the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it's written, He will command His angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus said, Again, it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. What's Satan tempting Jesus with? Well, what's Jesus' mission? Jesus knows it's going to be suffering. It's going to be a long road. He's going to be misunderstood. And here's what the devil says. Hey, Jesus, we're on top of the temple now. And if you look down at all those people that you came to save, by the way, and you go, look at me, look at me, look at me. And then you jump and glide down. Won't they start following you? Won't your brand increase? Won't won't the people know then that you're the son of God? That's what Satan's offering him. And that's what... Brand offers us today, too. We long to either make ourselves feel better about ourselves or maybe our grandparents or our parents or our tribe or our people, whatever. We can always say it's for somebody else, but really the problem is we don't think we have done enough. And again, we pass that on to our children. And finally, there's beauty. Beauty is another trap. Now, listen, we've all fallen for this. Achievement is the fool's gold of the Bay Area. And beauty is anything that you're searching for that is more beautiful than God. And that's why you're serving it and not God. So look at this passage again. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And Satan said to him, all of these I'll give to you if you would just fall down and worship me. So Jesus said, be gone, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. So the devil left him and behold angels came and were ministering to him. I don't know how this worked, but what the text is implying is that Jesus had this vantage point where he could see all the kingdoms of the world in all of their glory. I mean, could you imagine being able to see San Francisco and Chicago and Seattle and LA and DC, and that's just in the States, like like Paris and Madrid and just all these different places. And the devil's saying, all you got to do That's all you got to That's all I'm looking for, Jesus. Just one little bow. And I'm telling you, we use achievement to get the same thing, something that's beautiful. Maybe it is money, maybe it's prestige, maybe it's climbing the ladder, maybe it's the corner office. Whatever it is, achievement says to us, "I'll give this to you all like just just one bow." Just 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 bow a little bit. But the problem, of course, is when you bow, Then you bow again, and then you bow again, and then you bow again and again and again until you're a slave to your boss, your company, your golden handcuffs. Like you're just a slave. You're not free to be your own person. And what's crazy about it is this idea that we think, we think that there's something more beautiful than God. That's what's driving us. Don't believe me, just, does your, does your work ever say to you, hey, could you just work an extra hour today? Could you just come in next week over uh, Labor Day? Could you just uh, take this job? I mean, it's, it's no pay, um, but if you do a good job, then we'll, hey, come be an intern in Silicon Valley for 40,000, and you know, if, after a couple of years, we'll think about giving you a part-time. This is what our culture does to us because we think something is more beautiful than God. So I'm going to take a time out real quick. I want to ask the question, so if this is true and all these other things we've talked about for the last few weeks are true, we're, we're enslaved to sin in different ways. We're enslaved to being a people pleaser. Thank you, Jason. That was good for me. Uh, we're enslaved to all these different things. How do you actually get out? Like, where's the hope to be free? And I want to give you three things to consider. Um, here's the first one. If you're trying to get free from a sin, the first thing you can't do is you cannot Try harder. Trying harder does not work. When you're trapped in a sin, you're in quicksand. And if you've ever been in quicksand, I haven't, but I've seen lots of movies. uh, When you struggle, you go in faster. And friends, I don't care what the sin is. If If you try on your own strength to overcome that sin... At worst, if you do for a little while, you become arrogant because how come these other people can't? Or this is worse. You realize you can't do it and then you lose hope. You're like, oh man, well, maybe God just made me like this or maybe you know maybe he doesn't want me to succeed or maybe God isn't with me. Do you see that? So trying harder is never, never the answer. But what you can do when you catch yourself doing these things, bowing to the idol of achievement, you can ask yourself this question, hey, what are my actions saying? Like, what what am I saying by bowing to this idol? And I want to look at our three things today, bread, brand, and beauty. So when you are bowing to bread, when you're bowing to achievement so that you can get more bread, what you're saying literally to God is, it's not enough. It's not enough. Like, God, I need... 20K more for the kids, but like whatever it is, you're, you're saying to God. Now, this is different from praying. This is when you're going to take matters into your own hand. This is, this is like, like uh, Abraham and his concubine, okay? Taking matters into your own hand. You're saying, it's not enough. What about brand? Interestingly, brand is when you're saying, I'm not enough. And do you know why we believe that we're not enough? Because when we were growing up, we had parents, cousins, siblings, coaches, teachers, whoever I don't know if it was a Mall cop, whatever saying, "You're a bad kid. You're a drain on our family. You should be doing better. We came here for more. What's wrong with you? Why can't you be more like your brother or your cousin? or And so our brand in our own mind is not good enough. So do you know why we achieve? To shut up those voices. We achieve so that we can shut up those voices. So we can say, look at my degree, look at my car, look at my kids, look at my shoes. Like we're pointing to anything to validate our existence. And that's why we bow to achievement for brand. What about beauty? This is wild. The reason why we're drawn to beauty and bow to get it is because we're actually saying to God, God, you're not enough. You're not enough. I know you haven't given this to me, so, but I want it. And this thing that I'm going after, whether it's the corner office or promotion or whatever it is that you're driven valedictorian, this thing is more beautiful than you. So I'm gonna pursue it. I'm gonna take time and do it. Now, this takes a lot of practice to observe your actions. I'm not sanctioning sin, but when you do sin, if you stop and journal and think, why did I do that? Why, why, why did I accept that extra work from the boss? Why did I choose to go in on the weekend instead of being with my family? Why did I tell my friends I can't go out to the party, I've got a test in two months? Why did I do that? And is it bread, is it brand, or is it beauty? And you can say, okay, my heart is telling me, God hasn't given me enough. Or my heart is telling me, I'm not enough. Or my heart is telling me, God, you're not enough. And be honest with it. Guess what? God knows. He already knows. You don't have to hide it from Him. You can tell Him. So how then, how do we get free? This is really important. You can't get free by trying harder, but you can focus on something better. You can focus on something better. We had these friends uh, back in Chicago. Uh, And they were in their 80s, just an amazing couple. Uh, Our church back in Chicago would not have gotten off the ground without them. And uh, they're in their 80s, and they exercise three hours a day. Friends, I don't exercise three minutes a day. (laughs) They exercise three hours a day, and I'm like, dang, what is so important to these folks that they're doing that? Well, it's real simple they have grandkids they have lots of beautiful grandkids and they're not just trying to live longer to be with those grandkids, they're trying to actually be with their grandkids. So they wanna get on the floor, they wanna tackle, they wanna cuddle, they wanna tickle. These people go skiing, I don't even like going skiing, but they're so strong, they're why, something better. And it's their kids, It's it's, it's not about exercise for them, the exercise allows them to be with their grandkids. And what is strong enough, what has pull, what has beauty, what would help us get out of this trap? And the simple answer is, it's the good news, the gospel, the good news. That's the only thing that has the power to break us free from any sin. So whatever you're struggling with, whether it's achievement today or something from long ago, and you want to know how to get free, the only answer, the, the only thing you could do is embrace the gospel. Now... What's great about the gospel is the, the gospel is not learned. The gospel is not earned. It's just given to you. It's a precious gift. Uh, my last year of school, I was mentoring this guy named Larry. And uh, I only had the gospel that said, Jesus died for your sins. That's it. I, I felt like I had to do everything else. But I had a mentor who thankfully saw that I was not teaching Larry well. And so he went to Larry and said, do you understand that the gospel means you're free? Do you understand that the gospel means that God loves you? Do you understand that the gospel means you can't out God? Do you understand that you can never lose God's love because of the gospel? And so Larry's like, wait, 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 wait. So I don't have to be on this mission trip to, for God to love me? He's like, no. I don't got to like share my faith for God to love me? No. I don't have to stop sinning in this area? No. And I'll never lose God's love? Never. And Larry says, at that moment, when I finally understood grace, it's just a gift. He said, I was so happy. I just just wanted to go out into the ocean and just float and smile at God. Friends, that's a life that saw the gospel. When I'm training somebody new in understanding the, the gospel, what I say is, if you don't go... Or what, that can't possibly be true. Or, oh my goodness, if you don't say something like that, you did not see the gospel. Because it is so amazing that it doesn't even make sense. And this is the gospel that we need. So let me share with you what Jesus heard, okay? So here it is. This is from Matthew chapter three. The scriptures say, Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. And John would have prevented him saying, hey man, I need to be baptized by you. Why are you coming to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water. And behold, the heavens were open to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And another, behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Let me ask you two questions. First question is, when did Jesus hear the affirming voice of his father? Was it before he was tempted or after he passed the test? It was before. And the second thing is, Scripture's is great and Jesus responds with scripture, but the power behind the scripture was he heard his father's voice over any other. This is good news. So here's where the power is. The power to have the gospel transform your life is you got to do this. you got to hear God's voice. You've got to hear God's voice in your life. Now, at this point, some of you are saying, well, Pastor Will, um, I believe that you can hear God's voice or that Pastor Ryan or maybe the people that are handing out donuts or, or maybe people that run small groups or, or maybe like pastor's kids, but you don't know my life. You you don't know how much wrong I've done. You don't know how many times I've turned my back on God. And I would say, friend, you got two things wrong. One, it's actually worse than you think. Your sin is worse than you think. (laughs) Like if there were no such thing as laws and law enforcement, you would be even worse. I know I would. Our hearts are so evil. They're always bent toward the earth is what the early church father said. They only want the things that are here instead of looking up at God. But secondly, and just as importantly, even though you're more evil than you could ever imagine, you're more loved than you could ever dream. You are more loved than you could ever dream. God puts Christ's righteousness on you. And this is important because the key to the passage we just read about Jesus being baptized and hearing the voice, the key is in verse 13 where Jesus says to John, Hey, we have to do this to fulfill all righteousness. You're like, wait, what? Jesus needs more righteousness? Nah, Jesus doesn't need more righteousness. I do. You do. Jesus took baptismal for us. Jesus went into the desert for us. Jesus took scorn and shame and the cross for us. And the good news is that when Jesus goes to the cross, he not only takes away our sin. He gives us his righteousness. That's the gospel. That is the most important thing you can hear today. It's that if you owe a billion dollars and somebody gives you a billion dollars, you know what you are? You're broke. You don't have any money. And the gospel isn't that. The gospel is he not only pays billion dollars of your sin, he gives you billions billions and billions and billions and billions and billions more. You're clothed with Jesus' righteousness so That when God speaks of Jesus, he's speaking of you. These are words for you. Matthew did not record these words for Jesus. Jesus already knew them. He recorded them for us. He recorded them for us. So how do we hear God's voice clearly? There's three different things. We said bread, brand, and beauty. Well, you need to eat better bread. You need to eat better bread. Like, you know how uh, I'm finally getting older, so like, you know, if you have McDonald's, you're just asking for it, right? Like, it's just, it's not good. So it's weird, I'm eating like fish now. I'm like, eh. But I feel better afterwards, right? You have to eat something better. And the better is the better bread. Look at what Jesus says. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Now, if I'm honest, I, I really... Never understood this passage other than, okay, something to do with Jesus. (laughs) That's all I knew. He's better. Great. Um, Here's the key What about Jesus being bread is gonna be good news for you? You know what it is? He's the bread of life. And the bread, this is why we do it in communion. This is why sometimes in the Catholic Church, they raise up the host and they break it, because Jesus was broken for us. That's the gospel. Why is He your bread? Because He died. He died for you. He died for you because He loves you so that He could make you righteous. And bread is a great illustration. you know why? Because if you eat bread, four hours later, you're gonna have to eat bread again. And then you're gonna have to eat bread again. And this is great because for some of us, our Christian walks are frustrating because we're not eating the bread of life enough. Some of you have been coming to church maybe once or twice a month, which in this new, that's awesome. Keep going, keep going. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to the follower of Jesus Christ for years, and you're only coming once or twice, or you're not in a small group when small groups go, or you're not doing your own devotional time. The reason why you probably don't feel the strength from the Lord is because you're not even the bread. And the bread is not Bible study, the bread is not serving. The bread is, oh my gosh, God, you love me. You love me so much, you died for me. <laughs> That's crazy. That's eating the bread. Not only do we need to eat the bread, better bread, we need to experience a better brand. Experience a better brand. Now, when you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? For me, I wanted to be a judge. I care nothing about justice, okay? I wanted the money. I thought if, if I was a judge, I could buy like a 64 Impala and put some hydraulics on that. Like that was, that was my dream. That's why I was going to school. And the reason is because I had a friend named Jamie and he had one and he had hydraulics. And let me tell you, when we were, and this is in Saginaw, Michigan. So for those of you who grew up in the Bay, I know cars everywhere. In Saginaw, there were, there were not many of these cars. And so we were one of the few crews that had, were in a car that was going like this. And it was, <laughs> it was awesome. I'm like, that, yeah, that's why I'm going to school. I want that. Why? Because... Everybody was checking out our brand. They knew, who we, they knew who we were. When we showed up somewhere, they knew us. They knew us years after we left, which is wild. But here's the thing. Look at the brand that God has given you. First Peter says, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. Man, you could meditate on that for years. But I just want to do the first one. You are a chosen race. Remember, you have to eat the better bread. Well, what's the bread? The bread is that God died for you. The creator of the universe was crucified so that you can live. And the kicker from experiencing a better brand is God chose you. He chose you. Well, I I chose, no, he chose you. Okay, he chose you. Now listen, I'm not trying to get into a Calvinist debate. This is important, okay? Because I have an old pastor friend who said this beautiful thing. He said, God chose you for you. He knew that you were going to mess up. He knew that you would worship other gods. He knew that you wouldn't get it right. He knew that he'd have to keep forgiving you again, then again, then again, then again. He knew everything about you and he still chose you and he wasn't upset about what he got. He loves you. That's brand. What's your brand? I'm God's child? Me? God chose me? Why would he choose me? I'm so evil. I probably shouldn't say this, but... um, Sometimes I don't listen to my mouth or I I don't stop it, and then I say something stupid. But usually around my staff, and I say, see, anybody can be a pastor. And it's kind of true, because God chose me. I I didn't, I mean, I do have to be righteous, blah, blah, blah. I can't be disqualified, but God's the one that chose me. God chose, like, that's crazy. I would have chosen a million other people before he chose me, and God chose you. He chose you because he loves you. And finally... You need to enjoy a better beauty. So you have to eat a better bread. You have to experience a better brand, but you need to enjoy a better beauty. What's more beautiful than somebody unconditionally loving you? What's better than somebody who's always got your back, who's always thinking the best of you, whose heart just, their face lights up when they see you. There's nothing better than that. Well, I'm going to put the gospel up one more time for you, and I want to invite you to close your eyes and receive it because this is what God says about you. God says, you are my beloved child with whom I am well pleased. Let me say it one more time. You are my beloved child. With you, I am well pleased. You can open your eyes. When I was a kid, I, I, did, I, I am very driven for bad reasons. Um, when I was a kid, I, I, I did really well in school. It wasn't hard, um, but I, I, wasn't, I wasn't really liked that well by my family or people around me. And I just remember being like, I don't know, six, seven, eight, and hearing my dad brag about my older brother, Dennis. And Dennis is just this V of a guy. I mean, I got pictures of him where he's just like picking me up with one hand. It's just crazy. And whenever my dad was playing cards with people or drinking or whatever, he'd say, yeah, my son, Dennis, uh, yeah. He said to the quarterback, just jump on my back and I'll get you in the end zone. And, and my brother, Dennis, was so strong. It happened. My dad was just proud of him. And, and I just wanted him once to say, this is my son, Will, who's... Extremely intelligent and it it, it just never happened and so uh, My junior year of high school. I went out for football now. I gotta tell you I'm in the same shape now (laughs) I might be in better shape And I don't know if you know this but like people like hitting in this sport it's painful But in my mind I thought, this is the only way to make my dad proud. He's not proud of anything else. So uh, our first game, we came out of locker room, first home game, and I hear from the crowd, Will! And I see my dad, he stands up. Everybody else is sitting down, and he's got Bridgeport Bearcats. I'm like, oh, that's cool, he's wearing our shirt. Then he turns around, and it says, "Madell's dad. I had his his pride. And listen, I'm not a good football player, but I was cracking skulls that day. And the reason is not to make my dad proud. I knew he was proud. I was playing with house money. And church, do you understand that your father has your name tattooed on his hands? He loves you so much, he doesn't put it on his back. He puts it right here. Your name, your name. Your name. He loves you that much. He's like, look at my child. Look at the one that I love, that I died for. He's longing for you to experience that beauty, to believe it, to cherish it, to hold on to it. This is what he's given you so that you don't have to fall into the trap of achievement. You know what's crazy about achievement? Achievement says, do this, keep going, harder, more. It's never enough. In in essence, what achievement is saying is, If you die for me, I'll give you. And God says, oh, my poor child, you can't possibly do it. So I'll die for you so you can live, so you can live. And so friends, I want to invite you to respond. In a moment, we're going to finish in prayer. And I'm going to give you an opportunity to repent or to ask God to help you with this. And there's three different people. There's there's bread, there's brand, there's beauty. And I'm going to say a prayer for each one. And now I'm going to let you know right now. I'm all three, and there's more than that, okay? So you're in good company if you're gonna raise your hands. But if you feel like God's touching your heart because you've bought into achievement so that you can have bread, or you bought into it because of brand, or you bought into it because of beauty, then I want you to raise your hand and we'll respond with a song after where we say, God, I'm sorry I said it's not enough. God, I'm sorry I believed that I wasn't enough. God, I'm sorry that I said to your face, you're not enough because Jesus, you are enough. So church, would you bow your head and pray? Jesus, we cannot believe that we have your righteousness, but God, we know that this is true. This is the gospel. The gospel is not that you save us from our sins and then we're on our own. The gospel is you did everything. You saved us from our sins. You are continuing to make us like Jesus. And even now, the Father looks down at us and says, this is my daughter. That's my son. I am pleased with them. And so God, I pray for people like me that have bought into the God of achievement because we thought we had to do it. We thought it was bread that we had to make. God, help us to believe that if you care about a single sparrow, you're gonna take care of us. God, help us to believe that you love our kids more than we do. God, help us to believe that if you have not given us something, the reason is because you wanna give us more of yourself. God, forgive us. Help us to believe the good news. And God, for those of us who long for a better brand, would you help us to believe with all our heart that you chose us, not because of anything we had to offer. You chose us just because we love you. Oh, sorry, just because you love us. That's why you chose us. You love us. We didn't love you first. And then finally, God, for those of us who are struggling with beauty, would you show us the most beautiful thing in the world, your voice, which affirms in our heart that we are your children and we're your children only because of what Christ did. So God, would you forgive us, would you heal us, would you change us, and would you make us more like Jesus? We ask this for your glory. We ask it in your name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Give God a round of applause.